Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Sending gratitude to all of you who are joining in today to accompany us down the rabbit hole of self-exploration through plant medicines. My name is Ryan Sprague, and I'm here to tell you that your frequency is now set and tuned to explore psychedelic medicines and the impact they've made among the countless psychonauts exploring the last true frontier. Buy a ticket and take the ride with me as we get true first-hand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of psychedelic medicines on this one time on Psychedelics. For each of you who tune in and listen to this show each week, you know full well that this show has gone from simply speaking to the experiences we have within psychedelic medicines to articulating the psychedelic lives we've been able to create as a result of these experiences. And for me, this is what really fires me up, as I truly believe these medicines are here to not only open us up to our infinite potential, but also to allow us to be more comfortable in the oftentimes uncomfortable aspects of our lives. Today's guest in the show is a woman who understands and knows this notion well. From meeting your twin flame and falling in love, to connecting with psychedelic medicines and, as you'll hear in the episode, really opening up to some challenging experiences, it's safe to say that this episode is going to leave each of you with a feeling of confidence and hope in not only connecting with these medicines, but also in connecting back to the psychedelic experience that is our lives as a whole, to be able to reach our full potential and inspire those around us to also create the absolute best experience of life possible. So, without further ado, please help me in welcoming my dear friend Bree Divine to the show. Bree, I am so excited to have you here with me today. You know, this has been an amazing long time coming. I mean, we haven't known each other that long, but I felt like the second I met you, I wanted the podcast with you because you have such an amazing journey and we're going to be getting into a lot of that. But, you know, where I always start these podcasts, right, for some context is obviously this podcast name is this one time on psychedelics and we were going to talk about your psychedelic reality you're living, right? But before we get to that, you know, what, if any, role have psychedelics played in your life as a whole, right? If you connected with them before, I think we've talked about this a little bit uh, privately, but, you know, tell us a little bit of like, you know, how you first got introduced to psychedelics, how you first got interested in living a different style of life, because no one that connects with psychedelics wants a normal reality, right? And as everyone that's listening is going to learn, Brie lives a very different reality for most people, right? And so I'd love if you could give us a little background on how you first got connected with psychedelics and what role they played in your life. Sure. Thank you for having me here, by the way. So excited to share my story. <laughs> um, psychedelics is something that I wasn't introduced to like my whole life until 2016. So uh, pretty late in life for me, I had just left the Mormon church and met my mm. twin flame and he was showing me this world of psychedelics in the first time ever. I didn't realize it at the time, but these psychedelics, I guess, were soaked in ayahuasca. This is going to piss a lot of people off who do these ceremonies. Um, I didn't know the importance of it at the time. I didn't even know what it was until after I expressed the experience that I had to the person that gave that to us. And he's like, oh, no, I gave you guys the wrong ones. That was my introduction. That was the reason why my life unfolded as it did. Uh, with my twin flame from the, that scared. Can I swear? On you? Oh yeah. You can totally <laughs> that scared, <Yep. laughs> the shit, that scared the shit out of me. And I wanted to stay far away. And I ended up going on anti-anxiety medication until I decided that I would revisit and reface psychedelics to clear up that trauma. So 
Yeah. Do you want more details on that? No, this is this is amazing because, you know, really what the meat and potatoes of this are, right? Like this conversation is that that trauma that happened in between that, right? When you first tried psychedelics and then when you got reintroduced to them. And so let's just dive in, right? Like, you know, you can start this wherever you would like to. But for everyone listening, like I said before, like Brie has a really powerful story of not only choosing herself, but also being aware of like how impactful this story can be to so many other people that might be going through similar things. And so wherever you want to start this story, I'm going to let you start it exactly how you normally do. But, you know, if you could share a little bit more about, you know, what transpired in between those times, right? Like I would love to hear. And I've heard this before a little bit, guys, and it is profoundly amazing. So yeah, take it away. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, cool. So I'm deeply in love, you know, with my twin flame, right? And I am so excited to have this wonderful experience for the first time. And within that psychedelic experience, I kept seeing these patterns pop up and I felt like I was in these patterns that never ended and it just made me sick. And I'm almost like experiencing it again, just talking about it. And I saw basically the destruction of him, of my counterpart, and we were about to be married and we we had met and got married in 30 days. So in between that time, I was having this experience and I felt this fear of losing him. And I came out of it knowing that what I experienced felt just as real as this reality. But I had to convince myself that it wasn't in order for me to go about my life. And the anxiety kept popping up. I just felt this explosion, like just like the world was going to end and that he would fall apart and I would lose him. And every time that would pop up, it just channeled me into a narrow decision where I had to take something for it. So I went on the anti-anxiety medication and things started to kind of resolve, you know, take care of itself. And I didn't have these worries or negative thoughts and everything was at bay until I realized that I had lost my intuition. I had lost touch of like my sexuality. I lost touch of like everything that made me, me and, you know, the emotions that make women, women. And I decided that I wasn't right for this. It just wasn't a match because I wouldn't get emotional. I wouldn't react to things. I wouldn't get excited. I wouldn't get, I I would always stay in the middle. So I ended up meeting someone who told me about uh, steeping mushrooms at like mushroom tea. And he was kind of like my guide in a way, you know, he, I was in a sales job and he was my mentor and he was like, why don't you steep it in a tea and take sips? And that'll just kind of like easy back in, like in a kiddie pool, <laughs> like, okay, I'll try this out. And so I did. Um, <laughs> and it, it seemed to work until I decided that I was no longer going to take these anti-anxiety medications. And so I weaned myself off of that. and. As this happened, actually, um, and my twin flame and I were growing closer together, um, something happened tragically. We had a fight and it was verbal and he ended up like just throwing me out of the house. We called the cops on each other. Just really stupid. Like there really was no need to call the cops on each other, but our egos got in the way and the cops ended up finding psychedelics in the house and that completely like shut me off from psychedelics. It shut him off from it. And we had to learn to cope like without any medicine. And that started my journey on like knowing myself, like, okay, I need to go through like a literal know thyself through this separation with my twin flame and separation from like God, 
right? Because like psychedelics had me in a meeting with God, like communing with God. And I needed to learn how to trust my own own intuition, learn how to like trust my own path. And knowing that if I had any psychedelics on me that I would be screwed because this turned into a 23 month federal investigation. My twin flame was a captain in the air force, um, had a pretty high security clearance. And, you know, the thing that he turned to for his peace was taken away from him and all he could turn to was alcohol to escape. Yeah. I ended up turning back to psychedelics in the form of LSD. So it was no longer like psilocybin. I decided that it was, Two months before the military court martial, I took LSD. And is this where I should share what I shared with you? Are we ready for that? Oh, yes, please. Yes. Okay. Anything you're open to sharing. Yeah. Let's okay. Go. Okay. So <laughs> I really felt like up until that point that it was me versus this man, you know, because I was the empath and he was the narcissist in my story. And I'm like, I, but I know I need to heal myself. And if I heal myself, then it'll heal him. I just really believed in that because we were just so, our souls were connected. And I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll forget about him. I'll just heal myself. And in my LSD experience, I saw, I was given an opportunity to like grab this gun and I could point this gun at the source of my problem. And if I were to pull the trigger, then the source of the problem would go away. The pain would go away. Everything would go away. That's that's the download that I got. That's the message. And I was like, okay, wow, it's just that easy. And in that space with LSD, for those who haven't done it or are curious, like there is no ego. It wasn't like this is a bad thing. Oh, no, this is a gun. It was just information. The information was this is the thing that you can use for all of it to go away. And there was no judgment. There was no ego. It was just like, oh, that's actually what I'm looking for. I just need all of this pain to go away. So it was very enticing without knowing good or bad and, you know, or anticipating any other outcome other than this pain will go away if I do this thing. And hmm. I held on to this gun and, and pointed it at my twin flame. And then the thought came to me, wait, I started this with love. And that's the reason why we're here. So this isn't over. And I told myself, it's not over until there's love. It's not over without love. That's the only way this can be over. And I knew it at that time when I was about to pull the trigger and I put the, the gun down. And as soon as I did that, my twin flame who was looking at me turned into myself. Mm. And it was the most profound thing. Cause it was like, I got tricked. Like I swear psychedelics, does this whole bait and switch. It's like, this is what you're desiring. Isn't it? It's like that, you know, witch on snow white, <laughs> you know, take this apple, you know, you want it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, actually I do. How did you know? <laughs> and, and you know, your ego is set aside because the ego is not you, right? That's when I learned that like the ego is in me. I'm learning who I am. It's the know thyself. I'm not the ego that knows good or bad or has to sit and make a judgment call. That's not me. The real version of me is the one that chooses love over anything else. So LSD was the thing that showed me, oh, whew, 
I really am one with everything. I really, I am love and, and it's not over unless there's love. And so if I choose to end something, if, if because of my actions, I choose to escape something or end something on my hand and my desire to control, then we're just going to repeat that cycle over and over again. And I'm going to go back into that nightmare that I had when I first started this whole psychedelic experience that brought me to this tumultuous, you know, decision-making moment. And from there, I actually saw that, okay, I learned this grand lesson, but now it's time to apply it. And that's what we call integration. (laughs) So I'm like, I've got something coming up and it's a pretty big deal. And I was actually um, being coerced to testify against him in the military court martial because I was the kingpin to this entire case. I was like, you know what? I can't even choose this whole time. I was trying to choose what choice can I make that would make his life easier or what, what can I choose so that he can have grace. And, and this whole experience taught me that speaking my truth or being my embodiment, showing up as me is not like, no matter the consequence, that's, that's not choosing one way or the other. I'm not trying to control any outcome, just showing up and appearing as myself and letting you know, letting life take its course just because I'm being me. Like I can't have any attachment to any outcome or control anything. And that's, ended up, that is what ended up happening. I, I got subpoenaed into a military court martial and I did speak my truth. And the crazy thing is, is in this story, I wrote these letters. I perjured myself to save him. That was the journey I was taking. Like I got to save him. I got to write these letters, get him out of this. And they were all lies. These letters were were lies. And when I was on the witness stand, the only thing that I had to fight against, there was no evidence that I'd fight against. All the evidence pointed to him that, you know, they were, everything was him. Like he, he drummed all this up, but it was my word against my word. The defense had my letters. And so I needed to show up as my truth as an embodiment of truth, not having any weight or worry in any outcome or, yeah, of, of my speaking my truth and letting go, facing my own words. And what's crazy is that I had to convince the jury that what I was saying was true today versus what I was saying in those letters over the last 23 months. <laughs> because... If my if I was a really good letter writer and convinced the jury that what was true was in those letters, then I would have actually been prosecuted. So I would have lost and I would have like, yeah. So it was really me versus me, which reflected what I was experiencing in LSD. That's what LSD was showing me. That all of this is me versus me. If I'm going to go in the ring with anybody, there's no one else there. And so that was my integration point where seeing them, like allowing the medicine to show me who I really am when this whole time I was convinced it was me versus the other. And then I was led just a few months later into the scariest place on earth. Who wants to be in a courtroom (laughs) and and being a very convincing writer. I'm a writer, by the way. So being a very convincing writer and going up against your own words that you believed in at the time, even though they're alive so that you can manipulate the outcome. So it's like, who's really the narcissist, right? Who's the one that's like trying to control. And yeah, so that is the, (laughs) 
that's the rainbow of the story and we can go anywhere in between. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, Brie, you know, again, for everyone listening, like I've heard this story before and it's still so wild to me because there's so many things about my own life that are so parallel. You know, I took some notes when you were talking, like, you know, it's really like, I'll kind of go in reverse order of my notes, but you know, it seems as though when you had that experience of you versing you, it was actually in a way your ego versing your soul, right? Because your ego wrote those letters from a place of I can manipulate this situation. And in that vein, like at that time, the intention was pure, right? But it was distorted, right? So it's almost like, you know, if you have a distorted but pure intention, the purity is coming from a distortion, right? So yes, it may have been pure at that moment based on who you thought you were. But when you actually find out who you are, the things that you did from that point of view might be skewed. Like, I mean, a perfect example of this is alcohol, right? Like how many people do something on alcohol while they're drinking that they feel in that moment is justified that they wake up the next day and they go, oh my God, right? What did I do? And so like, we've all experienced this in one way, shape or form, right? Anger is another example. Like, you know, I've definitely had angry outbursts where after I'm like, hey, sorry, Rachel, that wasn't meant to come out on you, right? Like, and vice versa, you know, it's like we have these experiences as human beings. And so I think that's really important to really put a focus on, right? That we're all experiencing these things, whether we know them or not. And if we get curious, right, of where we may have distortions or still have distortions in our life, there's a lot that can come through. And it's funny that this all happened for you with LSD because I feel LSD gets a very strange and confusing rap sheet. And for most people, like it's either the thing that they love or they despise. And for me, I've had my deepest and most profound realizations on any psychedelic on LSD. And I always joke that LSD, there's something strange with it because I've never heard anyone say, yeah, I took LSD and it was the experience I thought I would have versus right like <laughs> even when people take big doses of mushrooms you know like even when they take big doses of mushrooms they'll say like yeah i had five grams and it was a powerful experience right they expect that but with lsd it's almost like you could take three tabs and have it be like okay that was cool or you could take one tab and have it be wild you know and i've, I've shared my stories on here before of accidentally taking 50 doses of lsd at one time that was definitely an ordeal. And then I can think of another time too, the first time that Rachel ever did LSD, I brought her on a journey and uh, she got stuck in what we call the waiting room, which is like, you know, you kind of stuck on like a repeating loop cycle of thought where it was like, hey, did we take LSD? And then I'd be like, yes. And she'd be like, have you been out this far? And I'd say, yes. And then she'd say, we're not going to die, right? And I'm like, no, of course not. And then she'd go, okay. And then literally the next question is, wait, did we take LSD? And this happened for like an hour and a half. So I was like laughing during it, right? Because I knew she was safe. I knew everything was fine. And I've been there before, right? So I know like, it's just like, it was kind of cute to me, right? So we're sitting there and she's going through this. And as she's going through it, I can see like, there's there's this thing with Rachel where she's so pure. Like I call her my bright light because she's just so close to source. Like she's never lied. Like she just like is such a very um, deep person and very authentic and very honest. And so like, I witnessed this as she was like saying it, like the innocence of like, wait, did we take LSD? Have you been out this far? Am I going to die? Like, just like this, <laughs> this like overwhelming sense of just like, oh my God, love hit me. And I literally like fell to my knees and started crying. I have no idea where it came from. I didn't, I didn't feel it coming. It just happened. And she's like, what's, what is going on? And all I could muster was like, you're just so beautiful. Like, and, and she like literally says it all the time. She'll make fun of me like, why? Cause I'm just so beautiful. Oh. <laughs> but it was one of those moments 
we're like, those things happen with LSD, you know, and I have no idea why LSD has this way of doing that where mushrooms will like, I'm not saying other medicines won't do these things like you can't cry or whatever. But it's very different in how it works. Like it's almost like LSD is just giggle medicine until all of a sudden it's the closest to God you'll ever get. Like it's like this weird parallel reality where like you can just go trip balls and laugh at a music festival or you can literally meet God. And yeah, mushrooms can do that too. But LSD is kind of that thing where you get this little tiny dose of paper. You really have no idea what's on it. You take it, you fuck around, you find out type thing. Right. And sometimes it's just like a fun giggle fest. And sometimes it was like, wow, I just met the creator. So very interesting about that. And the last thing you, uh, I wanted to mention too, was this idea of downloads. Right. And, you know, I've spoke about this before and I've definitely had my own run in with this, right? Where you get a download and it's very easy when you're in a psychedelic experience to just trust the download, right? Take it at face value. This must be God, right? But it's really important to wield that discernment like you did, right? Because there's almost always a deeper meaning to a download. And if you just take the one at face value, it could potentially be being interceded or intercepted by your ego or other parts of you, right? That's why it takes that deeper discernment. And so I wanted to give you kudos for that because, you know, this is the exact kind of stuff I really like exploring on the podcast, like, you know, this ability to wield discernment, even in the medicine space and these Mm -hmm. types of things. And, you know, being able to go through what you've gone through is incredible, you know, being able to speak about this, you know, this, this very traumatic event in your life with such grace is extremely powerful, you know, and so I give you kudos for that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I do want to touch on as well that because of this integration that the initial medicine forced me to go through, um, (laughs) I've learned I'm kind of a similar teacher as this medicine. Like, oh, I know this language. (laughs) the, The patterns were shown to me And I ended up creating a philosophy and it's woven in, it's like braided into my memoir. And Mm. this philosophy is an explanation of, of knowing myself. So um, Mm. I've been able to share it with others really early on. People thought that I was trying to change them, which maybe I thought that by helping people understand me, you know, I was helping them, but it didn't really, it rubbed Mm. them in the wrong way. So I've had to, you know, I learned over time (laughs) that this philosophy is about me, you know, and, and I think we all know that now when we talk about, you know, Mr. Freud, you know, Freudian this and that, we're like, oh, yeah. that guy's a pervert. He's just giving himself away. So it's like <laughs> when these theories and philosophies come out, it, it comes from the mind. Of course, these are divine downloads and everyone is, you know, open to receive these on their own too. So I, I don't claim ownership of this philosophy mm. because of that. But um, I do also believe that my interpretation of it and how I, share it, it just reveals who I am. And so with this, mm. you know, know thyself experience, I've been able to show within my memoir, like how I got to that point of being able to know how to show up authentically and speak my truth and break the pattern. Like that was mm. the first time in my life that I broke this pattern with my twin flame. And I feel like this topic bleeds into so many things with like some people are like, Oh, I've got a twin flame. Like, do you really now like be really sure <laughs> be really sure about that because I heard people say like oh I I want to meet my twin flame I wish I could meet mine I'm like really you wish that you could tear every limb off of your body yourself and put yourself back together again I wouldn't wish that upon anyone <laughs> so that's kind of what it entails so just 
on the safe side, just call them your soulmate until you figure it out. You know? 100%. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. You know, like, and, and we'll chat a little bit later too about the mistaken term of twin flame being thrown around, but continue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a fun one. We got it. We have to remember to touch on that. The philosophy that came through is called the six perceptions of love. And I think we can, can all agree here, those of us who respect psychedelics and the teachers, we may collectively agree that, you know, love is all there is. And love cannot be put into phases or groups or compartmentalized. And I, I comprehend that. I understand that. However, we as human beings, when we go through our evolutions, like we, we need ego, right? We need to know what excites us. We need to know what is not okay. We need to know boundaries. Like, so ego is very important. And so I feel, at least for myself, when I'm allowing myself to feel compassion for others and for myself, then it, it grants me a perception of love because some people can only love to the degree that they love themselves. And I feel that that is revealed or can be explained in certain categories. And when we allow ourselves to explore these categories, like you can take it or leave it, it can make some sense for you. We all graduate. We're not all, we're only stuck in a box if we allow ourselves to be. So this kind of just has helped me make sense. And it looks like this. So hopefully I don't piss some people off with appropriation here, but um, <laughs> this is the best way I can describe the six perceptions of love. So in every phase, you are connected with another version of you. Can you see it makes a U shape? Everything mm -hmm. is mirrored, which we know, uh, thanks to at least LSD. I learned that through LSD, that everything is just a big old mirror. And you start in one phase, which I call the dependent phase. The dependent mm -hmm. is connected to the provider. And so that makes sense, right? And then there is a shift that takes place when you disconnect and there are certain things that compel that in your life to do so. The beta phase comes next, phase two. Beta means like you're trying many things, not like beta as in like beta in the past. Yeah. So <laughs> this is like you're trying like your, your beta app, like your beta OS. Like this is really important for us when we detach from dependency. We go into beta and we're connected to the guru phase. And then the third here is the Omega and Omega represents like your solo journey, like your independence and your knowing yourself in this journey. And you have to, in this phase, you have to choose yourself. And if you don't choose yourself, then you go back to the first phase and that's where we experience these loops. And after you graduate, yeah, after you graduate this and they're, they're really in depth, like you go through like certain things and to get yourself there really but this is like this center piece. This is where alchemy is, where you are meant to, you know yourself through your truth. And some people in our spiritual community get real triggered with like your truth. Like there's no your truth. You know? There's one truth and it's all objective truth and all that. Like I don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks about this. It's, it's your truth because that's the only perception that, fucking exists like you're because you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes this is about you knowing yourself and when you know yourself and you know your truth that is your contribution to the collective so we there's no use for us being these like you know shy modest you know like 
oh, every, everyone has their own truth. Like, yeah, everyone does have their own fucking truth. So have yours. Like, <laughs> yes. just, just show up in yours, you know? Like, let's all just, like, grow a fucking spine and be a full, authentic embodiment of your truth because God is written in you. And so you must show up as that. And if you don't show up as that, then you're just going to go back into all these loops because this is the natural law of things is that as long as we're not dead, we're always growing. Like you will be growing forward and you will be stuck in these loops if you don't choose God. And God is written in you. It's written in your DNA. And when you do not show up as that because you have other things that are telling you that you're either unworthy or you know, whatever those negative thoughts are, you, you know, it's cyclical. I mean, I don't think we all start at like ground zero and start over. You know, I see everything as like a spiral going upward. So Mm -hmm. I don't believe like we get like body slammed and have to start all over. But anyway, this, this alchemy is huge. And after you break through this alchemy, you, you know, burn everything. It's a crucible. You burn everything that's not you, that's not authentic. And you actually see what is left over Um, That's usually when you lose a lot of friends, you maybe lose your business, you choose uh, integrity over everything and accept the loss that comes with that. That's when you actually phase into phase four. And then you become the mirror for those who are journeying where you're at. And this is where you gain compassion. So after you have like been an embodiment of integrity through this alchemical phase it's not even a phase it's like a moment it's a decision that you've been avoiding and when you overcome that then that is when you are an embodiment of these higher phases with compassion so this whole journey my memoir covers my own phases one two and three and the alchemy it basically ends at the alchemy and i'm currently writing memoir two (laughs) going in my higher phases Oh my goodness, Bree, that is so fucking cool. Like, I love that. And it's funny, like the menorah is literally a perfect like like thing to use for that, right? Like, because it really does articulate that connection, right? From like, you know, all these different phases of like the shadow side to is a way to put it, like the shadow side to the mm-hmm. fully expressed side. You know, and that's what I love about it is it's a it's very resonant with me because I'm big on archetypes as well, especially like you know, for men, like being able to like live into the little boy versus the king. It's a very big thing. You and I chat about certain expressions we see in the collective of little boy energy versus, you know, man energy. And, you know, women have their own, of course, as well. And it's funny because, you know, when you were mentioning like this idea of choosing, choosing God, right. Or like, you know, choosing yourself. Well, they're really one and the same, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we are the ocean within a drop, I know a lot of people get triggered when they say, when people say we are God, but like everything is God. How could it not? If everything came from one place, then isn't everything, everything? Like it literally doesn't make any logical sense to say somehow we are not God. We are separate from it. When in reality, if it created everything, then we are part of that everything, you know? And so I see those as being one and the same, you know? And that's like, that's why it's so powerful and that's why it's so important and no words can ever like dictate just how powerful that journey is you know having gone on uh my own journey with that kind of stuff and you know a deep journey of knowing thyself to deeper degrees and whatnot like it can be challenging right but it's only challenging to the ego 
it's not challenging to the soul. The soul's ready to shed that weight, right? And yeah. that's where, like you were mentioning, the ego is very essential to life. And it is, you know, like this whole psychedelic talk of kill your ego is just so immature, right? Like, do you want to potentially get past your ego and realize where the ego maybe was leading you astray? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. The ego is not some separate thing that is domineering over you, right? It's something that became programmed throughout your time growing up maybe even related to past lifetimes, whatever it is in traumas. And now as you become aware, it's your opportunity to really start going into safe mode on the metaphorical computer that is us and starting to figure out like, where are the viruses here that are taking up extra bandwidth? Where am I running way too much RAM at once and my computer's going really slow? Like, what can I do to subtract those things away so that I become more of who and what I truly am as a divine being, right? Without all of this extra baggage on me. And, you know, you were talking also about, you know, this power, but also necessity, right, that comes with like allowing us to be fully individualized, right, within the collective, of course, right, understanding that we're all one, but really playing out this game of being individuals, right? And, you know, I love this because I saw uh, one of my friends put up a piece of content the other day that was, you know, when people tell me I don't know what to make of you, it's the biggest compliment ever, because the last thing I ever want to do is easily fit into a box. And so like, when you see these kind of things, right, like that's been a great sign for me as well throughout a lot of my life growing up before I had examples around me of people that were living with their freak flag flying high. I thought I was you know, someone who didn't have a good work ethic, someone that wasn't meant for the world, etc. When in reality, it was just that I was waking up to wanting to really be me, where a lot of other people around me at that time were fine with conforming to whatever society told them to conform to, you know, and, and I know, just like you said, that when you go through these alchemical processes, you know, your whole life will shift. I mean, literally, when, when I was working in the cannabis industry in 2019, and I went through that MDMA experience, literally overnight, like it was immediate and not every change happens like that. But but they do as well. It changed my entire life. I literally was not the same person after that. And because of that, I had to leave the job. It wasn't an alignment. And I also knew it was up to me and me alone. Like I couldn't complain about it anymore. It was just I don't want to be here. So I have to do something about it. Right. So I did. You know, I wanted to start a podcast, but it wasn't it wasn't as a result of anyone else telling me to or whatever. I just had to make choices that were in aligned alignment with me and take them, you know, and so I completely agree with everything you're saying. And, you know, it's just amazing to be able to hear so many different, you know, stories on the show of how people have been able to, you know, really reach this level of self actualization, self realization, whatever terminology you want to put on it. And it's just amazing. Like, it's just so much fun being able to hear these things. It's so cool. Hey, hey, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you all know that the doors are officially open for the Conscious Cannabis Collective. And as such, this is the last week you can sign up and receive all of the bonuses we're currently including. This is the last time I will be personally onboarding those of you who sign up with a complimentary one-on-one session, and you'll have the ability to get the Grow With Cannabis course for free during this limited time. For more info on how you can take advantage of this offer, Head down to the show notes for this episode and secure your spot today, as we only have so many spots left and they are filling up quickly. Now back to the show. And thank you for letting me, having this space for me to share it too. I think that when people do have these life-changing experiences, they just want to be heard, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, I just experienced this thing. 
and I want the world to hear it. And so having this space for people to share their story is just so incredibly, it's rewarding. Oh my goodness. It's so amazing, Brie. Like, you know, throughout this journey, what have been, and I know we just talked about some of them, but like, if we could dive into potentially like some of the main challenges you experienced in this identity shift, right? Like you mentioned, like maybe you were going to leave your business. Maybe your friends are going to change, right? Like what things in your own journey, what challenges did you come up against specifically when you went through this rapid transformation? Like did certain specific areas of your life change more than others? I'd love to hear a little bit about that because I imagine many people listening are probably going, oh my God, that sounds like what's either happening to me or what happened to me. And I imagine as we start to talk about this more, we can normalize these types of things. Like, no, it's not necessarily bad that none of your friend group resonates with you anymore and vice versa, right? So I'd love to hear some of those specific challenges you went through. Okay. Thank you for asking because immediately I'm like, this, this parallels with these phases I have gone through because depending on what phase you're in (laughs) or what phase I'm in, I can answer this for myself, that it, it really shows like the challenges that I had to go through in order to get to the next phase and see how close I can get to God (laughs) or my authentic self Mm. in the dependent phase. So the dependent phase is when I was like dependent on the world that I know. So that's when you're like holding on to the known world. And in this phase, I had to let go of my belief system. I let go of the Mormon church and I honored what I was taught. And that's huge for me. I had to learn that when I let something go, I can't like kick it on the way out the door. I can't, you know, good riddance and write a story about it and tell them how freaking awful it is. Like, cause that's going to come back around and you're going to still have to heal that. And so that was one of the biggest things for me, at least in this phase, the dependent phase was to let go of things with honor and let go of them with love and um, to honor where I am and to not try to be anywhere else, especially knowing that I had just let go of this belief. So that means I should be somewhere else. Like, oh, no, I let go of this thing. I need to be somewhere. (laughs) You know, like you immediately have to like attach on to something. So I think that was one of the biggest struggles that I had, like with um, my identity crisis in my belief system. And then in phase two, I think one of the biggest crises that I had was because I'm meeting all these in phase two, it's beta, right? I'm like testing and trying out all these things. And I had to learn to not attach onto a new belief system or attach onto a new way of thinking. You know, I like learned about like veganism and stuff like, oh, that's like, I got to have my light body. I got to be like this or that. Like there are all these things that like I thought was would get me somewhere else. And I had to learn to honor myself and not do something just to get me somewhere else or attach on to, you know, certain ideas. And then in phase three, I had to learn to really be okay. Cause I always kind of thought of myself as someone that just like, didn't really give a fuck what people thought about me. And I'm like, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Like phase three is easy. Like I'm miss independent, but that I think was the biggest challenge was I was, being too independent where I wasn't asking for help. I thought I knew it all. Um, I thought that I had peaked enlightenment. Um, I I thought that, you know, I had all the answers (laughs) and I got into my hermit phase and I'm like, Oh, it's my hermit mode. You know, I got to honor myself in the hermit mode, keep everyone else away because no one else knows what I know. And so I think that was the hardest thing for me is my ego in phase three by I went from an extreme of like latching on to all these different teachers and gurus and their teachings and trying to self-identify with anything that I thought would take me somewhere else to being so independent and just telling everyone to just 
get out of my life because I think that they're all wrong and I finally have peaked. Yeah. So I think those are the biggest things. I think it was just like identity. I, I think that's the biggest challenge that I had was identity. That's a long way to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Dude, I, I absolutely loved that explanation because, you know, I think for a lot of people, like they will go through these stages, right? We could easily say like, oh, it was just identity issue. But like laying out what that looks like really helps people because I've seen this happen more than anything, right? Like this, what I'm about to say. And this isn't exactly what you said, but this is another way I've seen it happen. And this is more like rapid. So like what will happen is someone will take a psychedelic or something, right? Mm-hmm. they'll be in the experience and they'll they'll go through a challenge of some sort right and they will think they came out on the other side but really what it is is just their ego resurfacing and now they're god now they're jesus christ right and again like no judgment right like we've all i imagine many people have had that experience but the ego can really attach on to like no everyone else is wrong right like and it can almost be like a spiritual bypass again right so it's like that ability to you know, continue to be self-aware and like ask yourself, like, where is this coming from? Is this an alignment? You know, it's it's not really a linear process, right? Like transformation or whatever you want to call this identity shifting, you know, type process. It's kind of like this, you know, it's just kind of all over the place, you know, and then you get to a certain level where you can just observe the ego doing its thing and, you know, be able to be from that place of the observer. And, you know, it's funny, that's what, like, that quote about enlightenment really makes me chuckle every time I hear it. Like, what do you do before enlightenment? Chop wood and carry water. What do you do after enlightenment? Chop wood and carry water, right? Like, you know, my buddy Aaron Abke, uh, you know Aaron, actually, he's in mm-hmm. our Sovereign Rangers group. But he talks about his first experience, like having union with the creator, is that he was in this bliss state for a couple of weeks, just like, I mean, very similar to what it sounds like my experience was back in 2019. Just two weeks of just no substances, nothing, just high on life. The difference is I don't remember consciously having a thought like he did, but he remembers waking up one morning and going, wow, am I enlightened now? And that was the first ego thought he had. And the second that happened, he started to fall from grace, right? Okay. And so like, then he started to realize like, oh, like I, I, I have to be aware of that, right? I have to be aware of that and not attach onto it, you know? And that's what you were talking about, you know, and, and what you just said too, is like this idea of attachments. And I took a couple mm-hmm. notes here too of like, you know, you mentioned veganism, right? And mm-hmm. this is like an age old uh, uh, discussion among spiritual people, right? And, you know, a lot of people are very like, no, you need to do it. And a lot of people were like, doesn't really matter, whatever. Some people are vehemently against it. Some people are vehemently for it, whatever it is, right? But what I've noticed is, I'm like, guys, we can't have it both ways. All right. Either we are the creator of our own reality. And so literally, whatever we believe we become, or there's a predestined set of rules that God made for us, which would completely outrule free will, right? So the way that I look at it, you know, when it comes to these types of things and, you know, yoga, spirituality, any of this is like, does it make you have fun? If so, follow that. If it's enjoying, if it's enjoyable, follow it. If not, why would you follow it, right? Like, you know, and this is the kind of thing is that everything is subjective, like you were saying earlier, right? Like there is no objective reality other than I am. That's simply it, right? Everything is subjective. And that's where it's so funny when you come into awareness on this to not only look at like where I've done this in the past, tried to put like, you know, my truth is an objective truth, but also like, you know, because I've done it in the past, I can now see it everywhere. 
you know? So like, you know, social media is a perfect breeding ground for this stuff. You go on there and there's so many people trying to argue as if one side is objectively right. And especially when it gets into things like politics, whatnot, it just gets kind of crazy. But it's very interesting to watch that happen. So I'm glad that you, you know, articulated that because it brought a lot of me of my journey of like where like in the past I thought I was coming from great intention, but I was unknowingly trying to push my truth on other people. You know, these are people that maybe I saw were sick, unhealthy, whatever, from my point of view. But like, I'm trying to tell them, hey, you should do this for sleep and you should drink more water. And they're like, I don't want this. This isn't consensual, right? And so I had to realize that like, you know, no matter what I do for myself, it's simply because I do it for me, right? I don't do it so I can teach other people. Now, if people decide to come to me and ask me questions, cool, right? But, you know, I had to get over that in myself too of like being like, you know, pushing that truth on others, you know? So I'm glad you spoke to that. I know it was a little bit different. You didn't uh, articulate it the exact same way I did in terms of pushing it on people, but, you know, that brought it up in me that I used to do that. So yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I see this a lot with the the vegan thing too, and you mentioned that, and I wanted to draw some attention to it that, you know, it's like an age old debate in the spiritual community of like, you need to be vegan or you're not going to reach enlightenment or the light body, right? And then there's other people that are just like, uh, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, right? And, you know, again, this is all opinion based, right? Like if we live in a subjective universe, and we are the creator of our own reality that we've been told throughout antiquity in every spiritual and religious text, then who's to say all of a sudden there's something objective, right? Like that's where people fall into distortions a lot, right? Like if veganism works for someone, awesome. Let it work for you. Go do it. But don't try to then tell everyone else that it's the only thing that will work for them or they're not going to reach their light body or enlightenment. It's just like, it's such a thirst trap. And I see this stuff happening everywhere throughout, you know, the world right now. And, you know, I have been someone in the past that's done this with music or whatever else, like this is the best, right? And so it's funny, right? Like if you spot it, you got it, right? So I've been able to be humble enough to recognize why I see these things, right? But be grateful enough that I've moved myself through that period. And now I just choose to be the embodiment of myself. And if someone starts getting curious and asks me questions, that then shows me like, oh, there's someone who might be able to benefit from my teaching. The same way that if I resonate with someone that I'm looking to learn from, that's probably a good sign, you know? So it's like, I think people overcomplicate this stuff too much. It brings so much emotion into it. So yeah, when you brought the vegan thing, <laughs> definitely <laughs> caused that uh, little rant. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I fell for it hard, man. And then my hair started falling out and my teeth went bad. And I, yeah, so anyway. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, like not to go on a tangent about veganism, but, you know, it's just like, look at the people getting the results you want, right? Like when I look at Paul Check, someone who's 62, deadlifting 400 pounds, strong, healthy, mentally acute, all of these things. When I look at Ben Greenfield, when I look at Aubrey Marcus, when I look at, you know, any of these people I look up to as pinnacles of health, none of them are stuck in some box, right? They might have periods where they are vegetarian or vegan for a little while as that feels right. They come out of that when intuition tells them and they might uh, utilize animal products. But that's like the thing, right? Like even when I'm talking about your relationship with cannabis or anything, it's like, you know, yes, structure is great. Like if you're someone who has a very poor diet, it might benefit you to hop on something like veganism for a small amount of time and get some structure of eating higher quality foods. But ultimately, you always want to go back to listening to the body, right? Like, really, this whole conversation has been a conversation around you learning deeper and deeper how to listen to yourself, right? And also how to uh, discern what voice is which, right? Like, what's the ego? What's that deeper part that is the soul, the heart, etc. Yeah. And like, is that not the human journey for all of us? Like, I mean, I just went into how everything's subjective. So maybe not for everyone else. But I know that's been my journey for sure, you know, is 
learning to listen and learning to not fall into boxes that other people are telling me are going to be the best thing for me. Because, you know, I think Carl Yoon is the one that uh, quotes that, you know, there's a point in everyone's individuation where you're going to need to stop listening to everyone else and start tuning into yourself, you know, or something along those lines. So yeah, I 100% resonate with that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, for anyone who relates to my story at all, you know, I really thrilled to share a free ebook with you. I wrote all about the empath narcissist relationship. And that was something that I wrote when I was having to break down this whole like, oh shit, we're both the same thing. Like we're both the same one because we're just, you know, the opposite sides of the same coin. And that I wrote this while I was healing that painful truth, having to accept that, you know, if you ask yourself, who's trying to change the other person? You know, who's trying to help the other one so much <laughs> and it turns toxic and, you know, how, how many things are just so similar and paralleled. So I, I wrote an ebook and that's, that's in my, I have a twin flame telegram. I chose to not be so active in it because people, it attracted people who made their stories all about their twin flame. And I think that that's something that would be fun to talk about is, you know, what is really a twin flame and kind of characteristics of those who may, you know, some signs to look out for in yourself if you, you know, are on this healing journey and remind yourself to get back to self. Stop talking about the other person. Your journey has nothing to do with them. Yes. 100%. You know, like one of my favorite quotes from my mentor, Paul Check, uh, which many listeners know of, uh, is that if you spot it, you got it, right? So like that perfectly articulates. And he always says, before you point one finger, realize there's three pointing back at you. You know, that's really what we're here for, right? Like God may be all knowing, but it is not all experienced, right? If it were, we wouldn't be here. And so really what God is doing, as I understand it anyway, is learning about itself, right? And who are we? We are also God. Everything is God. So we are really learning about the ultimate self through infinite different realities and experiences, you know? And so like, if we can understand that, and again, simple, not easy, right? Like when you're in that trigger moment and like you have this thought, <laughs> your ego is like, fuck that this one's different all right like you know but like yeah you know but like the you don't know me yeah exactly like i know all the rest of them i agree with that but this time it's definitely the other person's <laughs> fault right and so like you know being able to like truly come from that place of you know nervous system regulation you know being humble and just like being able to pause in between the triggers like when those come up and start to be able to have that pattern interrupt of like, okay, what is this trigger showing me? What's it illuminating for me? Where am I blaming the other person? And this is where like, you know, for me, cannabis has really come into play because other psychedelics, they send you out so far that it's kind of hard to have this kind of conversation with yourself while you're on them. Not impossible, but it's definitely a little challenging. Whereas like with cannabis, on the other hand, it's such an amazing tool. Say if you feel a trigger come up and you're conscious in your relationship with the plant, you can actually take a step back connect with the plant and really just immediately have that perspective shift of like, oh my goodness, I need to go and apologize. Uh, and now we have a great conversation we can have, right? Like Rachel and I have these little, you know, mm -hmm. just tips every once in a while where one of us gets triggered over something. That's what we're here in each other's lives to do is trigger each other into enlightenment. And so like, you know, we'll have that come up. 
We'll talk about it after and we'll find some remediation in that or dare I say remedy, you know, to throw in a term from our other world that we're about then with sovereignty. But, you know, it's like those abilities are so powerful because like they really allow you to understand yourself and the infinite different probabilities of yourself, you know, because there's so many like microcosm, macrocosm things like when you see the like whole view of humanity, right? And all the things that certain people do that maybe some of us look at and we're like, yikes, right? Like that's really damaging or, you know, all the war and horrible stuff that goes on. Well, that's also stuff that exists within us as individuals, right? And so like, where can I look at what's happening that's maybe challenging in the world and turn it back on myself and go, I might not be able to go help these people in this country with no money or whatever I have going on, but where can I help myself? And in doing so, help the collective shift, you know? And so, yeah, I I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best thing that you can do if you're feeling so rattled by world events is the nervous system regulation. Yeah. It is huge. Yeah. I mean, when you're in a state of mind where you can make a decision when you're not in fight or flight, sometimes you have to, but yeah. you know, not, we shouldn't be in fight or flight every day. <laughs> You know, so I think that those of us who recognize like, okay, this trigger should not trigger fight or flight. Like if if I'm seeing if I'm seeing this sort of response to a trigger, then that means that I need to like take care of my nervous system. And how do you do that? I mean, make sure you're getting plenty of sleep, getting eight hours of sleep, Uh, go see a chiropractor, get a massage. Take some mushrooms, (laughs) just microdose, just start your morning off right, (laughs) get plenty of exercise. Yeah, just create the, create your own problems, (laughs) like go to the gym and lift heavy weights, you know, solve problems and puzzles and, you know, yeah. 100%, you know, it's like anything, right? Like, how do you get better at it? Reps, you know, and, and I was seeing this on someone's uh, profile earlier and it, I so resonate with it. It's like, the reason why we practice being uncomfortable is because it's really the practice of being alive. Like, let's be real. Like the human experience is pretty elite level in terms of difficulty, right? It would definitely be expert level if you were playing a video game. And so like, understand that like there are going to be things that happen that are completely out of your control. I mean, everything is out of our control if we really think about it, right? So like, if we can get used to, you know, knowingly and consciously inducing periods of uncomfortability, whether it be ice baths, whether it be just doing nothing. I know for me, like just not doing anything and being is extremely challenging. It used to be a lot more, but it's still one of those things I work on, you know? And so like being able to, whatever Mm -hmm. your edge is, be able to ride that edge is so powerful because again, like everything that you were able to articulate in your, in your story, the ability to write your memoir and be able to talk about these things, right. That for some people could be so traumatized and they can't talk about is because you've regulated their nervous system Mm. to be able to speak about them, you know? And so, yeah, guys, it's super important (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And because those of us who are like, well, I went through something traumatic, but I want to share my story. You know, like there, there are some people who do get beyond the, you know, it's too traumatic to share to the point where they just want to shout it off the rooftops and they, they want everybody to hear it. And that's also a sign of, you know, dysregulation too, because you can't just settle in. You can't just accept, you know, your reality. Like you, you still need to be seen. You need to be perceived. Mm. And 
what I, and, and I'm saying that because that's what I went through. And, and so I, I see that now being echoed to me where I'm like, okay, well maybe I can offer a solution to that for others mm. because I've been there. And for me, the solution has been when I can share it is when I have like shed that layer. I've shed that skin mm. because if you're still walking around with that pain, you know, if your story and your trauma and you need to shout it off the route, you have this need where it needs to be shared. You're still wearing that suit. You're still walking around in that pain and you're still letting it affect mm. you. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird, it's, it's ironic. Yeah. I think, you know, I was like, no, I'm ready to let it go. I just need to share it. It's like, well, then shh. <laughs> So I wrote this memoir in 2020. I was writing it through 2018, 2019, and 2020. I shared it on Instagram live an hour every day for like 18 days. It took me like 18 hours to share it. And I, yeah, and I, I let it go. And then I was like, you know what? That's it. I don't need, I don't need anyone to hear it. I just had to get it out. So I like shook it off. And I put it on the shelf. I didn't care to get it published or put it out there at all. And I worked on my nervous system, not knowing that that's actually what I was doing. Like the thing I believe in is if you are praying for peace, like peace of mind, praying for an answer, praying for guidance, you will be led to the thing that you need. I wasn't given the answer. Like my guides weren't like, heal your nervous system. You know, I wasn't getting all of these things. <laughs> I was being led to choose to nurture myself. And then in the space of nurturing and letting go and putting my book on the shelf for three years, just, I just let it go. I'm like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about spirituality. I don't give a fuck about like sharing my memoir. I don't give a fuck about being a light leader. Like I don't care about any of that shit. I just need to focus on myself. And I picked up hobbies. I became a rock climber and traveling the country and, you know, putting myself out there with a new skill and building my own business, just focusing on myself, just laying low, working hard. And then it, it bubbles up because like your true authentic self, it's like, like you, you end up shedding that skin and you're like, oh, huh, that version of me was so, so long ago. Yeah. You know, if someone asks me about my story, it's going to be like, I'm telling someone else's story. This is so strange. And so that is the perfect place to share your story because you're not sharing it with this, uh, with polarity, you know, you're not sharing it with, you know, your own, I don't know, attachment to it even. Absolutely. So I mean, yeah, it, it gets to be raw, right? Like it gets to be very like, very middle way, right? Like, you know, I speak about this often. We we talked about polarity, right? And how like the whole world, and not the whole world, but many people, let's say, are stuck in polarity completely unconsciously. They're like veganism, carnivore, or Democrat, Republican, or this sports team or that sports team, right? Like when's the last time you asked anyone who was really diehard for sports? And they were like, well, you know, this team, I really like their quarterback and they're doing some really good stuff this season, but you know, I like this other <laughs> team. And then this team's got that. It's like, no, they're diehard one because like, that's kind of what's been instilled in us, right? It's like, you know, pick a flag and die on it, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent accurate. And, yeah. you know, these kind of things are just so interesting, right? Like I approach life as a curious observer these days and just so curious, you know, based on the fact that I know I've gone through so many of my own, like shedding of these skins and who knows, right? There may be more in there. I, I don't know, you know, like I have no idea, but being able to sit into a seat where I go, I know I know nothing, 
I'm just here to be a curious observer. I'm here to have an experience and I'm here to, you know, assist as many people as possible in my own mission, which is helping people laugh and, and bring joy to their life. But I think it's so beautiful to be able to share our stories like this. And, you know, Brie, for, for those listening that are looking to find your memoir, I know you got it on Spotify and also like all the other amazing things you do too, because there's a lot of stuff we didn't even get into on this episode that you're into. We can do another episode and talk about that stuff. But where can people find you? I mean, this has been so amazing getting to dive in with you and, and share your story with the world. But I definitely want to let people know where they can find you, connect with you, all the good things. And we'll have it in the show notes too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I have, it's like I have these different <laughs> personalities or faces on social media. TikTok is where I mostly talk about sovereignty and my journey with that. I do have some things about my twin flame journey on there as well. But TikTok is six perceptions of love. There are underscores between each word. There are a lot of fake pages. So at this point, I have over 80,000 followers. So go to that one if you see other accounts pop up. Uh, Instagram is B-R-E-E, two underscores, divine, D-I-V-I-N-E. That's how you can find me. And I have links in my bios, which will take you into my own telegram. I have a sovereignty telegram that's divided into topics and a twin flame telegram where you'll find my ebook linked in the files if you want to learn about the six perceptions and my take on this empath narcissist same coin (laughs) philosophy. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I love that so much. And guys, I'll make sure I have it all in the show notes too. And this has been so amazing, Brie. You know, I always end with the same question, which is, you know, if someone listening to this show is really excited now after hearing this to dive into psychedelic medicines in their own life, what is the one piece of advice you would suggest to them to allow them to have the smoothest experience possible with psychedelic medicines? I heard someone say this once and it really stuck. They said, when you get the call, answer it. And I know that in two ways. And in one way, I know that as like, if you're feeling a pull to it, not just a curiosity, not like everyone's doing it. I heard I should, you know, oh, maybe I'll gain enlightenment. Maybe I should try it. Like not that kind of thing. But if you're feeling this like pull, it just keeps coming up inside. And that curiosity just has you, it's almost like a it's like a dirty little secret. Like yeah. you don't want to tell anyone. Like, yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, I feel this like burning. Oh, like that's, I feel like that's a sign. That's a call uh, to pick up and then pray about it and talk to the medicine. I would say like, talk to it mm-hmm. because you're getting a call from an, an entity, like from a living being. And so treat it as such and, and honor this invitation. And, and you pray, you speak to yourself and you ask, you know, where is this coming from? And, you know, I honor this, this connection. And then, and then when you accept that call, it'll show itself to you. The opportunity will just show up in the most random of ways. And for those who are afraid and not sure about it, I say, don't do anything that you're not sure about. And it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane. You're like, ah, I, I planned on this stick with that plan. If you plan on it, like every, every, everyone kind of chickens out. I think I can speak for everyone. Like when you're about to do it, you're just like, ah, <laughs> let, me, let me double check and see if I've got like my parachute in here and let me double check some things. Let's go back to the ground and then come back up. Like, so it's okay to have that hesitation. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is like your immediate feeling like should just be like just that pull and then follow through with that after you've honored that, that call. Yeah. And I think the other way I, I was saying that the, there's two ways of, you know, the call that's for those who have taken it already. I feel like for me, 
personally. Like I don't feel a pull if I feel like I've received the answer that I was looking for. And in my phase in my life, it was to know myself to get through what I needed to go through. And, and until I get a call like that again, I don't need to go back if that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah, sorry. I lied. <laughs> 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 the internet is so sucking us, but your thing came out perfect. I heard you perfectly, but I saw that I froze too. And I was like, what's happening here? But Bree, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Like that is extremely sound advice. And for everyone who tuned in, make sure you go give Bree a follow on TikTok, Instagram, and all channels download her ebook and dive into her world. If there's one thing I know about Brie, even though she's had such an amazing journey of life so far, she's only just getting started. So as you guys know, also, <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, we'd love to have a five-star review. It helps us get the show out to more people. So wherever you are all in the world, I hope you are having the best day ever. May the force be with you and to infinity and beyond. Peace.